0: Don't be surprised when it all comes. Falling apart with just one boss move from total chaos. Will this world never live in two moons and breeze? Don't be surprised when it dies like you and me. cause it out of it. Gutless, heartless, hopeless. Any other lessons you want to throw in there? Careless.
1: Did I just watch Cavs basketball, or did I watch The Walking Dead?
0: No, nah, you didn't watch Cavs basketball. The Cavs haven't played a single second of Cavs basketball in this entire series. But outside, Not since Game 2. Outside of maybe a half in Game 2. First half in Game 2. The Cavs are going to be eliminated. I say going to be because we actually started recording this before the game was over with about two minutes left in the game. 102.92 um,
1: right now. Darius Garland just fouled out of the game, minute and twenty left, as we just watch the end of this listless, lifeless performance. Now he hits a three by the Cavs.
0: <laughs> oh Donovan my goodness! Three,
1: probably his first of the night to cut it to seven with a minute left. Yeah.
0: Um. So, obviously, this is incredibly disappointing. Um, There are a lot of things that we're going to get into as we get through this episode This post-game edition Uh, Welcome in everybody Uh, I'm Dan here with Steven uh, Living Off The Land, episode 255 255 And uh, it's Wednesday night It is, yes It's not what you think It's it's Wednesday night,
1: but tonight we don't know what that means because uh, This is a does not compute night yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this is something that I never thought in my worst nightmares could happen in this series. Yeah,
0: period. I mean, I guess the, I guess the only thing that could be worse that we could have gotten swept, but the
1: New York Knicks, an inferior team, let's just call it what it is, an inferior team, has come in. Is that what they're building? Though? And being Utah, well, if you look at the the course of the regular season, the Cavs won fifty one games.
0: They were the higher seed. That's true, but the Knicks did beat us three out of four times in the regular season. And I know uh, head-to-head matchups in the regular season don't don't usually translate to the playoffs. It did this year, obviously, because we're now we're now two and seven against the Knicks this year. Um, and you said it right before we started recording. We've lost to this team three times on our home fo- floor this year, twice That's in this series. That's really hard to do when you think about it. Twice in this series.
1: You'd have to lose to them either both times in the regular season or you lose one and then you'd have to lose twice in a playoff series. Yeah. Which you lose tw- – I mean, there's very few examples. 2019 NBA Finals is one that comes to mind where team actually lost twice on their home court and still won the series, but it's exceedingly rare. It's And it does beg the question, and this is something – I don't know if we wanted to bring it up this early, but you kind of led me this way. Mm -hmm. Did the Cavaliers get completely outclassed in this series because they just don't match up with the Knicks? Or are there something just systemically wrong with this group of players? Did they just not have it mentally? Or did they just get absolutely physically dominated for the entire of the series? And it's just something that is going to be a problem going forward.
0: Well, I think I think the mental part is because we got physically dominated. Like I think we uh, we got mentally beat down by the fact that I mean, let's just be honest and we're going to get into this too. Uh we're going to talk about uh, Jared Allen and I don't know if we uh, this is this is going to be really fresh and the wound is really fresh, but maybe we should play a little bit of a game of stay or go with this team. Um, (laughs) uh, but, um, I'm like gulping and sighing at the thought of that, but yes. So I think, I think, I think the mental part is because of the physical part, right? I don't think, I don't think we mentally, uh, there wasn't a mental hurdle when this series started. I don't think, I don't think that, uh, it's hard to say. I, I just think they just got physically dominated by this team. And namely, it was it was two guys. It was it was obviously Mitchell Robinson. I mean, Mitchell Robinson, Jared Allen made Mitchell Robinson millions of dollars in this series. I mean, this guy is going to make so much money than he otherwise would have off of just this series alone. Mitchell Robinson, he's not a scrub. He never was a scrub, but the Cavs, Jared Allen in particular, made Mitchell Robinson look like he was a combination of Moses Malone and Bill Russell in this series
1: name any truly great rebounder in NBA history and you could apply that to the way Mitchell Robinson played in this series yeah i mean period and like I mean, you said like,
0: it, it, throw Dennis Rodman in there
1: Dennis Rodman Charles Barkley yeah you said Bill Russell
0: already Moses Malone Moses, i mean anybody i mean it, Mitchell Robinson. Who? I
1: don't know if that guy's going to be up for contract this year or next, but he's seeing dollar signs right now if he is. (laughs) I mean, honest to God. Game just went final. The Knicks have won 106-95. The Cavaliers have lost the series four games to one. Yeah. And I've been asking this question. I, I mean, I don't know if anybody can even answer this, but... When was the last time an NBA team that won more than 50 games in the regular season only won one playoff game in the first round?
0: I can't think of one. No, I mean, you know, obviously we've had we've had situations where like uh 8 seed has beaten a 1. You know, you go back to like uh you go back to when Golden State did it to Dallas. I think it was 07. Uh, but that wasn't that wasn't Dallas five games. Two games. Yeah, in Dallas won series. two games that year. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, we actually might have two. Memphis might go down tonight, too. It might be the, yeah, the same thing. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, their game is tight right now. Um, and Milwaukee.
0: Milwaukee now, uh, could do okay. it tomorrow. If that happens, now th- I will be floored.
1: Now, that is a little bit of an anomalous situation because Giannis Antetokounmpo hasn't right. been playing for most of the series. Right. Got injured in Game 1, hasn't played much since, so... Maybe Miami's just getting lucky. But, I mean, yeah, Memphis is basically having their soul just ripped away from that. I I don't even know if, like, for them, I feel like their case has been more of one player just imploding and deciding to poke the bear that is LeBron James. I mean, what a moron. But at the same time... The Cavs were never even competitive in this game. No. Literally, the Knicks just jumped on them in the first quarter, and they were never in it.
0: I mean, what did we say when before the game started? We said the biggest key of this entire game was the Cavs to come out uh, fast. Yeah, get yourself
1: feeling good, at least in a good mental state. Did the Cavs, And they never got there, and it was the
0: opposite of that. Did the Cavs even lead once tonight? No. Ah, that's what I thought, too. They were tied a couple times early, but I don't think they ever took the lead. I think the last time
1: it was tied was like 7-7. Seven, seven.
0: Yeah. And, you know, just another thing. You know, we're about 10 minutes into this episode, and one of the things I noticed is we are – I I feel like we're a lot less subdued than I, than I think we thought we were going to be. Oh, no, I'm just...
1: You're just stewing it. right now. Yeah, you're stewing, I can totally. tell. Because, okay, so here's the deal. Yeah. You have been the basically the doomsdayer <laughs> in this series, and I have mm-hmm. been the eternal optimist. Mm-hmm. I don't know how exactly I get from there to where I'm going. That's something that, like... That's probably going to honestly take weeks.
0: Yeah. I, I'm still, like, speechless. yeah. That, that this has happened. I feel like the only reason why you're not screaming right now is because uh your daughter is sleeping upstairs. Yeah. And by the way, we A- are accurate, we are actually doing this episode. AF. We were doing this episode at uh at Steve's house in uh in North Ridgeville. Yeah, so. cuz
1: thanks thanks NBA TV for being blacked out yeah. in the local market. So And I don't, and I don't have cable. So. Dan doesn't have Bally, so we had to come over here. I can
0: I canceled my Bally's account. <laughs> when it, so so this is what happened. The little little side story. So, I, so I had Bally's for the Cavs season. I paid the twenty bucks a month to be able to stream it, and then I was excited because I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like for a month, I'm going to get Cavs and Guardians. So this is kind of cool. Well, <laughs> the Guardians season starts, and I go to I go to throw the game on the Bally's app, and the Bally's app doesn't have it. I'm like, wait, what? What's going on? This is why MLB, MLB, and uh, Bally's. Obviously, Bally's is about to go out of business, but. Uh, the MLB, like, this is why you can't market your your sport. The Cavs, you pay the twenty bucks to stream it. You can stream it. You don't have to have cable login. You don't have to have cable. You know whatever. Baseball for Bally's, you have to have a cable login. Doesn't that defeat the purpose? If I had if I had cable, I would just watch it on cable. I wouldn't be trying to stream it. Right. I don't understand. So I couldn't watch, so as soon as I figured that out uh, opening night, and obviously I found that out at about 9.30 at night on the season opener because the Guardians are playing in Seattle, I, I I, figured that out about 9.30, 9.34, cancel my subscription. I was like, screw this. I'm not paying for that. So then I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine because all the Cavs playoff games are going to be on national TV. Wow. Little did I find out is the NBA and their all-knowing knowledge uh, decided to uh, decided to schedule multiple playoff games on the same night, essentially at the same time. So the Cavs get bumped to NBA TV, which, because the first round of the playoffs is broadcast by the regional markets, NBA TV is blacked out in the uh, markets that broadcast it. The- the game. The home markets. So, NBA TV, which I get on my YouTube TV streaming service, I couldn't watch the game. It's also very convoluted, isn't it? It's it's ridiculous.
1: But I'll tell you what. The NBA made the right call because the Lakers-Memphis game is nip and talk down to the end, yeah, and this game that's true. wasn't even worth turning on, unless no. you were a Knicks fan. So. Right.
0: And or or
1: or a glutton for punishment as we are. I mean, really, that's kind of what this this felt like—an exercise in basketball BDSM. Yeah. <laughs> that's really what Yikes. this game felt looked like tonight. Yikes. How much punishment could you take if you didn't? If you did not turn this game off, you actually watched it. Donovan from the Mitchell, end to
0: the end. real quick, real quick. Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland combined for four of eighteen from three tonight.
1: So this is one of my big complaints about tonight, among many. The Cavaliers, it looked like, had a game plan of let's just three-point shoot our way to victory. Yeah. Seemed like they took a lot of threes, a lot of unnecessary threes.
0: Well. And they knocked
1: y- down enough of them to, like, make it seem like it was possible.
0: Can you really Can you really blame them, given how in the first four games, how much they got dominated in the paint? I mean, the, the, the paint stuff wasn't working, so – it's almost like they felt like, out of necessity, that was the only way they felt like they were going to win the game tonight is if they were just hot from three, which obviously they weren't.
1: You know, you could get lucky and win a game like that, Yeah, maybe.
0: Right. The
1: flaw is that you'd have to win three games in a row.
0: Well, right. But, and, but to win, I, I agree with you, but to win three in a row, you got to win the first one. So I think the Cav, because the Cavs, you know, they're facing elimination, they're in survival mode. They're trying to do and and again, this isn't me giving the Cavs credit because they don't deserve the credit. I'm just trying to rationalize what their thinking was, is we got to do literally whatever we think we can do to try and win the game, and they thought it was just to jack a bunch of threes because they weren't going to get it done in the paint because uh, uh, Jared Allen and, to a lesser extent, Evan Mobley were just getting their lunch money taken from them the entire series.
1: And that's the main I mean, how fault
0: much how much per diem do you think Mitchell Robinson took from Jared Allen's pockets in this series? I mean, whatever they get, multiply it by five because that's how many games we had.
1: You basically just, he basically made Jared Allen his bitch. and took him from being the glue guy who's always there that, you know, whenever he's not there, things go bad for the Cavs. Whenever he's in there and playing well, things go well. To the guy now, we're wondering if he's now going to be traded. I mean yeah. that's that's literally where we're at now. That's how much things have changed yeah. in the span of less than two weeks.
0: I said it in our text thread, uh I think it was in game game three or, I think game three. Jared Allen's playing his <laughs> way right onto the trade block. And listen, before this series started, you would have thought like if I would have said that before the series started, you would have thought I was absolutely insane and crazy. And I probably would have agreed with you. But The guy didn't play well in a single game in this series. Five games in a row, he got dominated.
1: I don't think I have ever seen a guy get sarcastically cheered at home in a playoff game for getting a rebound. I don't think I've ever seen that before. And that's what was happening to Jared Allen tonight.
0: Yeah, Mike, uh, um, my brother Mike sent sent a tweet from Hayden Grove. And it states Jared Allen in games three, four, and five, assuming he doesn't return to this game. Are you ready? Game three, played thirty-seven minutes, six points, five rebounds. Game four, forty minutes, or game yeah, game four, forty minutes, fourteen points, four rebounds. I'm sorry, if you're a player that plays in the paint the entire time you're on the floor, because he doesn't shoot jumpers, and he certainly doesn't shoot threes, and you're seven feet tall, you played forty minutes. You got 4 rebounds. That's literally one a quarter. 4. Tonight, 31 minutes, 4 points, 3 rebounds. And you figure in an average quarter,
1: a team is going to have anywhere between 10 and 15 missed shots
0: usually. This was at the beginning of the this was uh near the beginning of the of the fourth quarter. Uh in those 3 games, Mitchell Robinson out-rebounded him 32-12. to
1: That's... Whoa, that's scary. Whoa. But that just, that belies what we've seen with our eyes in the
0: entire series. And again, and again, we're not talking about Shaq in his prime. We're not talking about Dwight Howard in his prime. We're not talking about Anthony Davis, Kevin Garnett, anybody like that. And for God's sakes, even Kevin Love in his prime. We're not talking about those guys. We're talking about Mitchell freaking Robinson. I'm glad you mentioned Kevin
1: Love because I miss Kevin Love right now. Yeah. I totally miss him right now. And you could say what you want about him. Oh, he's not physical and oh, he's he's not going to be the, the inside presence or whatever. I find it very hard to believe that he wouldn't have done a better job than what we saw out of Jared Allen and Evan Mobley in this series.
0: Totally agree.
1: And he would have hit shots from the outside too. That seems Memphis like is- a totally... I mean, I'm not saying that that would have changed the whole dynamic of this series, but it sure as hell wouldn't have hurt.
0: Memphis is pulling away, by the way. They look like they're going to send this series back to L.A.
1: Good Um, on you, Memphis. You did what we couldn't do tonight.
0: um, Getting back to Jared Allen, would you you trade him in the offseason? Oh, gosh. I, you're making me I mean, answer this question right now. Um, I mean, I, obvious, obviously it, it would depend on what you get in return. I mean, I'm, we're not just going to give Jared Allen away. I mean, for all we know, this could be just an aberration of a series, and he comes back maybe next year and plays much better with a with a better matchup. But I, I'll tell you why I would. Okay. Given the circumstance, obviously, again, it, it depends on what we can get back for him. When we, when we did our Cavs preview back in October of last, last fall, one of the things that I talked about, and again, this isn't some crazy revelation because this is something that plagued the team last year and, again, plagued the team this year. We don't have a wing that can play defense and hit a three-pointer.
1: Haven't had that for years.
0: We haven't had that since... LeBron James in 2018, literally. I think that is the number one thing that is going to keep this team from competing in the East. I think if the Cavs come back, status quo as is, I think they could be heading for an almost identical outcome as they did this year. I don't think the two the the twin tower bigs things work works in the playoffs. I just don't. I mean obviously we found in this series it doesn't because we just got destroyed.
1: Well, when your bigs don't play like bigs, yeah, True. it's not going to work.
0: Yeah. But if we can get a an established 3 and D guy that can be your your small forward, be your 3, play alongside Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, can hit a 3, can guard the opposing team's best offensive player, I think you absolutely have to 100% do it, because it then slot. Because another thing that that another thing that plagued us, and obviously plagued us in this series, is we have no depth on this team.
1: No, none, we don't. None. I mean, it, it was incredibly obvious when Karis Lavert had his great game in Game Two, and then. J.B. Biggerstaff decided, okay, I'm gonna throw him to the starting lineup in game three. Okay, yeah. I it wanted was, to get into that too. It it was it was already obvious that we just didn't have the guys behind him to be able to to support such a move. And yeah. it just completely
0: came off like a let balloon. That that is a big problem that's gonna to have to be addressed. Yeah. So for me, that's the only situation where I would trade him is if you could get an established established three and D guy um that can hit open shots and that can open up the thing open things up for Donovan and Darius because another thing that i noticed in this series is we could get no there were no driving lanes there was almost no dribble penetration on our end and a lot of it is because they were shutting our water off because they can pack the paint because we don't have any consistent three point shooters on this team none I mean, Karis LeVert is the closest thing we have, and he's streaky as hell. I was going to say, he's not. He's the
1: antithesis of consistent.
0: Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I just think there were a lot of warts that were discovered about this roster and this roster building. I think this offseason is going to be just critical for Kobe Altman. Um, they because Because, to be honest with you, they don't really have a lot of room to make moves. You know, when they made the Donovan Mitchell trade, and again, I'm not going hindsight on that. I would m- still make that trade 100 times out of 100. Um, would, Even though would,
1: Laurie Markkinen is the imp- most improved player of the year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't think that this series would have been any different if we had Laurie Markkinen, uh back and didn't have Donovan Mitchell. But... I I don't think we have a lot of ammunition to uh change this roster to be honest with you outside of shaking things up and making Jared Allen available and seeing what you can get for him. I mean, unless you can just unless you can strike gold on the you know, minimum salary market uh you know where you can get a couple guys that might be at the tail end of their careers but can still hit a jump shot maybe maybe that's it um but pretty much what you see is what you're going to get from this team as far as a main piece uh scenario so Jared Allen is the one thing cuz you're not obviously you're not going to trade Mobley you're not going to trade Mitchell you're not going to trade Garland so I mean what's there Kobe
1: Altman's job is it looked like before this series it was going to be pretty simple this offseason, but boy has it gotten a lot harder now for 100%. a lot of the reasons that you just described. And then the other side of it is we don't have a first round pick this year. No, we went to Utah, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So you, you don't even have. I mean, granted the Cavs would be picking like 25th, I think, based on regular season record. So chances are you're not getting a great player at 25th unless you
0: really find a diamond in the rough. But again, you got to somehow. You got to somehow find find a way to uh, get a guy that can hit a shot. That's what we need.
1: Cavaliers got out rebounded forty eight to thirty tonight. They got offensive rebounds. They were out rebounded seventeen to four. I mean, end that's, of game one.
0: That's the series.
1: The Cavs were down two on two separate possessions, and just needed a rebound of a miss to get the ball back and have a chance to tie or take the lead. In the final minute of the game, they couldn't grab a rebound. Yep. In this game, it was the same thing. I mean, they were a little further away, like six, eight, ten points down, but every single possession, it, was, it seemed like it was the same thing. It was in the first quarter, and then again in the fourth quarter. Ultimately, they got to figure it out. They got to figure it out. You're almost in a situation where, for the reasons that we've described, it's pretty much going to be status quo, same guys coming back, and it's – I said at the at the outset of the show, the Cavs lost to an inferior team in this series. They won all these games in the regular season. But it's easy to have the opposite viewpoint. You could have watched the series, and your conclusion would have been, how in the hell did this team win 51 games?
0: Yeah. You know? Well, I'll tell you what. They wouldn't have won 51 games if they had to play the Knicks every night.
1: No. They would have been one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah. If you add up 2-7, and seven. I mean, that's two out of nine is only 22%. I mean, you only win 22% for the whole season. That would be like 19 games,
0: 19 and 63. It's just really bad, man. Um, another question is, what do we do with the coach? You know, now that you've laid
1: out all the things with the roster and how little we might be able to change the roster, Jamie Bickerstaff's position, he's just coming to the podium right now, by the way, is even more tenuous now when you consider that. Because if you're Dan Gilbert, or if you're even Kobe Altman, you think, what's the thing that we could do to try to inject some sort of positive change out of this really horribly negative outcome? Yeah. And I'm not one to sit here and... You know, aim for somebody's job, and certainly not J.B. Bickerstaff because I've been one of his biggest fans, biggest supporters for the entire season. But I gotta be honest with you, this guy was not up for it in this series. No. I didn't want to believe it as it was happening either. I was, I was standing behind him in Game One, and even Game Three, we got blown out, and, and, and people were complaining about Levert starting, and we didn't, need, and everything. And I was just like, "Chill, guys, it's two-one. We just need to get to the fourth game in New York." Bottom line is, is that he, along and I'm not absolving any of the players, so let's just get that straight right now, because right. they w- were pretty much all terrible with the exception of maybe Karis LeVert and maybe in a couple of the games Mitchell and, and um, Okoro and um, Garland did good things on an individual basis, but not over the course of the series. But honestly, the fact that J.B. Bickerstaff didn't seem to have a really good plan for how to go about this series as evidenced by the fact that he was playing guys like Dean Wade and Ricky Rubio in game one. Yeah, Played them on the court at the same time for like six or seven minutes of the game, which was, a,
0: in terms of plus-minus, one of the worst combinations in the whole league. He was playing lineups you know, in game one of this series that have never played uh, on the floor together. How do you do that in the playoffs?
1: And it could have cost him the game. We only lost the game by, what, four? Yeah. You know and they the Cavs played considerably better once they had their main rotations and lineups in the fourth quarter. So I mean maybe if you're up to nothing, this whole series does go differently. But as it was, between that, between the the, cha- the lineup change in game three and then the fact that there just didn't seem to be any response this game almost, to me, is more of an indictment than Game One or Game Three, and the reason why is, if you are down three to one or three to two, or even three to nothing—three mean, to nothing—that might be a little more daunting, and teams may just quit usually. But three one is is a doable comeback. Three two certainly is. You would expect, as a coach, as leader of that locker room. Mm-hmm. You should have some ability to motivate your team and say, we're not going out unless they absolutely just drive that stake into our heart. We're going to fight all the way for all 48 minutes. We're going to fight for that inch on every play, every 50-50 ball, every loose rebound, everything. I didn't see any of that tonight.
0: No, uh, like you, like you said, none you, of that. You sent in our text thread. Uh, we looked like a bunch of zombies from the opening tip. Totally,
1: they yeah. looked like they just had no heart, no soul, yeah, and
0: no desire. I mean, what's what's the, what's the saying? What's the Cancun on three, one, two, three, Cancun? You know, I mean, this team just—I, I said it to start the show. This team was for the most part gutless, heartless, hopeless, careless, just whatever adjective you want to describe this team as not only just tonight this entire series I can't think of one positive thing and 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 let me get into to to Jv Bickerstaff because you know for the most part and I don't necessarily fault him 100% for this because you know we went through it this is a flawed roster to a degree. Um, we don't have any depth. We lack three-point shooting. This is the NBA in 2023. If you can't shoot threes, you're not going to win. <laughs> so quite honestly, the re- the fact that we won 51 games in the regular season was kind of a testament uh, to JB. But game three, listen, you lost game one. You kind of got caught out. And you're like, okay game one let's let's get back let's win game two and then let's just go let's just go win one in New York and we'll get home home court advantage back so game two we come out we play obviously we played the best game of the series in game two we won we won the game uh, substantially and Karis Lavert while he did play well in this in the series he had by far his best game in game two um so we're coming off of the game two feeling we're feeling good. We're going into game three. And inexplicably, JB decides to change the starting lineup. And puts So, So we already have a limited bench. You have a guy that provided you incredible firepower off the bench that propelled you to a win in game two. And he puts him in the starting lineup. And then essentially... You have no bench now. And and look, Karis LeVert was always going to play starters-level minutes for me. He's always He, he was always going to play 30, whether he started or came off the bench. He was always going to play 30 minutes a game, probably. So, but just that you have your best. Game one, you're playing lineups that you've never played uh, at all this season together. Game 2 you have your best you have your best game of the series. You win, you get back on track. And then game 3 you feel the need to change things again. You just won by 20. Why wouldn't you just keep keep that going in game 3? And then maybe in game 3 if you fall flat on your face cuz you're playing on the road, maybe then for game 4 you change things up. I I just didn't understand changing things between games 2 and game 3 when you played your best game of the series in game 2. I just didn't understand that. And then, just, I, we knew from the first half of game one that toughness and physicality was going to be an issue. All season, anytime the Cavs needed to be a little bit more physical, Lamar Stevens would be put into the game. Lamar Stevens didn't really play until the third quarter of Game 5, when essentially you were already out of it.
1: I think the Cavs were down by 14 or something like that when he was finally inserted into the game.
0: Right, but it's like, you can if you're the head coach, you can see that... And again, I'm not saying you're to put Lamar Stevens in and that's going to solve all of your problems. But the issue was, you were getting dominated in the paint, you were getting out physical, out-manned, out-rebounded, and to a to a lesser extent, when that has happened in the regular season, you've gone to Lamar Stevens, and for a number of, and again, it, it, it didn't always work with Lamar Stevens, I'm not here saying Lamar Stevens is an absolute difference maker, but the problem is, is you, you're limited by the roster of what you can do, so For times that it has worked in the regular season, putting Lamar Stevens in when you need that extra edge, that extra physicality to get back into games and turn the tide, he just didn't do it in this series. You know, in games three and four, he continued to put Rubio in the game. For what? Why? Guy hadn't played well at all. Practically all season oh, he's com- he, he's, Why he's, is he playing in the playoffs He's completely wa- I, And again He's in his mid-30s now He's coming off of an ACL injury I mean I think he's just done Rubio But it, it was He's just, as old as me and he's got worse knees It was it's not it, a good it's just combination questionable decision making And again it's not like we have this Wealth of talent Coming off the bench so I don't want to kill him that bad but when it's it's the same thing that killed us every game in this series every game we got out rebounded every game we got out physical every game we got out hustled
1: that's the worst part of it for me like if you are beaten by a team that has superior talent that's one thing sure if you get beat by a team that has similar talent but you're Coach is getting out X'd and O'd, that's another thing. Yeah. To get beat simply because you're getting out physicaled and you can't rebound the ball and you're also not doing other things like you're not you're not shooting well and you're not turning the ball and you're turning the ball over like crazy, which that's another thing that most people haven't even mentioned in this series, but yeah. it's an it's been another problem. If you're losing because you're not rebounding and you're not defending, because you're just not Giving full effort. What does that say about the team? What does that say about the players individually? I'll tell you what it does. It means the Cavaliers have a legitimacy problem.
0: Yeah, and it, I think and I think you also have to look at the coach, too. I mean, the, the coach has to be able to get the best out of yeah. his players.
1: Oh, oh, I'm not absolving the coach. And especially
0: when you have roster deficiencies, you have to be able to get the best out of what you have. And JB did not do that in this series whatsoever. This, um, I, listen, do I think it's a little bit unfair to be calling for JB's job after he just won 51 games in the regular season and got the four seed in the playoffs, even though they just lost four to one to the Knicks? Yeah, probably. Do I think maybe he, in a in a perfectly fair world, does he deserve a chance to come back and try again? Yeah, probably, but this is professional sports. The Cavs, by every pretty much every single metric, were supposed to beat this team and supposed to beat this team pretty easily. I thought we were being charitable giving the next two games. Yeah, I did too. To be to be quite to be quite honest with you, I expected the Cavs to go up 2-0, steal one of the two in New York, and then end it in five. Um. But like you said, I felt being charitable and thought, literally, I thought this series was going to go the exact opposite. It would be of basically happened. that,
1: and then like the Cavs would have a dumpy game somewhere, messing yeah. up the the formula, and they'd
0: actually have to win it in six. But yeah, yeah it's so. So getting getting back to JB, I, do I ultimately think he probably is going to be the head coach next year? Yeah, probably I do. Do I think they're going to have some some serious internal? Uh, discussion about that probably I mean you know who the owner is yes I mean he's he's not one to not make a rash decision and again if you could get a substantial upgrade at head coach I don't think it would be that much of a rash decision I think this team I mean you have to people listen I don't think it would be a rash decision at all listen people people don't want to talk about it but uh and again It's very fresh. The wound is very fresh. But uh, Donovan Mitchell, after next year, has one more year in his contract. So they're going to start talking contract extension with him this offseason. And if those don't go well, uh, this team could look a lot different very quickly. Not saying they're going to trade Donovan Mitchell next year, but after next year, Going into the next offseason, if they're not agreeing on a contract extension, that's going to happen. People don't want to realize that, but like... I would go
1: so far to say that if you don't have a contract extension in place and you don't have a significantly better result in the playoffs than this, next year, that he gets traded next off season. Yeah. Yeah.
0: 100%. So... <laughs> there has to be urgency with this organization and and obviously with Dan Gilbert uh it's always it's always urgency uh with this team so yeah i mean if there's a uh if there's an available upgrade an obvious upgrade in the offseason i i would not put it past the cavs to move on from jb bickerstaff i mean did anybody did anybody in their wildest dreams Think that we would trade for Donovan Mitchell last offseason? No, but it happened. Cavs saw an opportunity to get to get better, and they took that. They took that. Uh, they took that chance. So I think they they would do the same thing with J B Bickerstaff. Listen, this team going into next year has got. Listen, we're not saying that they need to win an NBA championship, but we're saying that we need to not lose four to one in the first round of the playoffs when we have home field advan- home court advantage. Like, this team's goal next year should be to get to the conference finals.
1: I mean, that would have been the logical progression. Yes. Like, God, that seems like light years away right now.
0: Yeah, it does.
1: It didn't seem light years away two weeks ago. Two weeks weeks ago, ago.
0: yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't really want to bring this up, but there's a chance that the Miami Heat could – eliminate the Milwaukee Bucks.
1: It would be kind tomorrow. of spooky given the circumstances of that series, but yes, you could have been in a situation where had you won this series, you wouldn't have even had to play the Bucks. You could have played the Heat instead. Yeah. And now the you know,
0: now that now that now, now the Knicks might get that opportunity.
1: That happens. The Knicks are the uh, Vegas favorite to go to the conference finals. I mean You would think. I mean you'd think Milwaukee, excuse me, Miami was in the conference final last year. So yeah. let's let's not, like, even though they were the eighth seed this year, let's not, you know,
0: completely through their chances. And they were in the finals in, in the bubble, weren't they?
1: <clears throat> yes, they were.
0: Yeah. They went
1: on an incredible run that year, actually. Yeah. Uh, knocked out Milwaukee, actually. And then I forget who else they – was it Boston? I think they might have taken out after that. So Something like that. It was a it was a hell of a run they went on, uh, almost to the title, actually.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: But um, um, still, yeah. Here, here's the bottom line. I'm going to draw parallels to the other two sporting franchises in the city with the Cavaliers. First thing, I'm going to draw a parallel to the Guardians. Mm-hmm. For a long time, the Guardians had a legitimate sleep problem with the, ca- with the fan base, largely because people would question how committed they were to winning because the ownership was tight with money. Rightly or wrongly, that was the perception. Mm -hmm. I've argued on this podcast that had they won one more game at the end of 2016, the whole image of the Guardians organization would be totally different today than it is now. Or you could even go back to 2007 if they hadn't blown that lead in the ALCS Mm -hmm. because they were probably going to win the World Series against Colorado. Colorado was not nearly as good as Boston. But be that as it may, the Cavaliers have a legitimate legitimacy problem for a different reason their heart and their soul and their desire have of the players and to a certain extent the coaching staff has been called into question now were we sold a bad bill of goods in this regular season and to a lesser extent last year as well that is the real question right now this team could legitimately they could figure this out and continue on the path where the upper trajectory, the where it looked like they were going, or this could really, this could really take hold badly, if they bring everybody back. And that brings me to my second parallel, and that's with the Cleveland Browns, mm-hmm. because the Browns were in a situation where, due to certain circumstances off the field and on the field, they're kind of, even though they were, you know, just a mediocre team this year, they're kind of stuck into having to bring back the same quarterback, this a lot of the same players, and the same coach.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: for next year. Mm-hmm. You almost get the feeling, even though the Cavaliers, in terms of win percentage, were much better than the Browns in the regular season, the outcome once the once push really came to shove was, was not any different. Do you really feel any better about the Cavs than you do about the Browns in this moment? Because I don't. It seems like they're kind of in that same position where like, because of their own circumstances okay, yeah, we don't have draft picks. We don't have a lot of spending power. Probably going to have to bring back all of our key players. Probably going to have to bring back the coach. I mean, it's conceivable that they might make a move there, but it's not incredibly likely. So you are now committing the Cavaliers to next season, kind of similar to how the Browns are, where it's either got to work or this whole thing's just going to implode and you're going to have almost complete regime change. Yeah. That's pretty
0: much where we're at now. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um again, I think I think we're we're looking at it more through the lens of a doomsday scenario because again, we literally just lost half an hour ago and our season ended. Uh, way earlier than we thought it would have and way differently than we thought it would have. Um, but, I, I I mean, I can't disagree with anything you said. Um, it's going to be an interesting offseason because Kobe Altman's going to have to get creative. And we'll see what happens with the coach because I, I don't know, man. I don't know.
1: My mother is basically the oracle of most things Cavaliers, (laughs) despite her not even being a sports fan. I mean, it's it's harder to be a fan when it's your work, I suppose. Right. She said this to me after Game 2 of the series. This was even before the Game 3 debacle. She said, The Cavs are a better team than the Knicks, but the Knicks are a better playoff team than the Cavs. That was incredibly wise especially in the moment in which she said it and i didn't want to believe it yeah but the fact that it came from her that gave me the heebie-jeebies and made me think that maybe i'm on the wrong side here and yeah. i was totally
0: yeah um yeah i mean like you said earlier uh i was definitely way more pessimistic especially uh as game three was at when i saw how we were playing game three i knew the series was over that we were going to lose. I wish I was wrong. I mean, I don't take pleasure in the fact that I knew that the Cavs were going to stink up the joint. You were right. I was so dumb, I just didn't see it until tonight. I, I just... The... The game planning and the coaching chasm was so wide in this series. I mean, Tom Thibodeau was... Dancing around JB Bickerstaff the way that he was game planning and coaching this series. I've always liked that guy, Tibbs. Tibbs. Yeah. Good coach. Oh, he's a great coach. He's kind of, it seems like he's kind of a curmudgeon, but um, Yeah, he's not
1: very easy to work with, but and yeah. like he's gotten tossed so. out of several organizations, but
0: Yeah. You know. But every everywhere he's coached and everywhere he's been, he's he's been in the playoffs, he's been deep in the playoffs. I mean, you know, he was uh Doc Rivers' top assistant when Boston won the championship in 08. Uh, he coached the Bulls forever. He's pretty much done everything except win the title as a head coach, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I—I I mean, just to kind of just to kind of wind down and wrap up. Um, it's going to be an interesting. It's going to be a long off season for the Cavs. It's Going to be an interesting off season for the Cavs. Uh, not necessarily from a talent acquisition standpoint, because basically for the Cavs, the only thing you can really do is tweak the roster. You know, if you can figure out a way to bring in a shooter, a wing that can shoot, play defense, um, that's what we need. We need more depth. The Cavs need a backup point guard. Ricky Rubio is done. He's just he's just done. Um, So, I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, the sky is not completely falling. I mean, this team's going to be good again next year. They're probably going to win 50 games again next year. They're probably going to be a top – three four five seed again next year we're just gonna have to see what they do in the playoffs and again maybe in the first round next year they they don't get a horrible matchup in the Knicks and you know they're able to win next year and they're able to win next year in the first round in five you know who knows but uh yeah this one's gonna hurt a little bit this one's gonna sting and uh yeah so anything else no yeah I'm done. Now we're done. Um, but anyway, uh, appreciate you guys listening. Thanks for checking in. Episode 255 of Living Off the Land. You can follow us on social media at Stiff's McGee and at Daniel J. Ford. Uh, you can follow the show at the LOTL Podcast. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Uh, we got to figure out what we're going to talk about next week because the Cavs are going to be done. And uh, it's April. Well, it'll be May next week, but...
1: It's going to be May. Yeah.
0: It's it's the end of April, but in a few days, it's going to be May. So, appreciate you guys listening. Thanks again. Uh, we will see you guys next week. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go cry now. Go, Guards. Bye.